It's amazing when we consider lyrics of so many of the songs we sing that talks about the glory of God. And of how many passages of Scripture in some way mentions the glory of God. Because as we read, He is great and greatly to be praised and glorified on the earth for His great name and for His sake. And last Sunday we talked about the glory of God and there's so much to the glory of God. We're going to be um, looking at it again today. And and last week I opened with reading a passage from Ephesians and I I want us to just remind ourselves of of just a couple of those verses. So this morning let's let's read Ephesians 1 verses 4 through 6. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. And then let's drop down verses 11 through 14. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance. And and again, this is talking about the born again, those who have believed and received Christ. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. So born again believer, I believe I asked it last week and I'd ask it again. Why did God choose us before the foundation of the world? Why did He adopt us into His family as His children by Christ Jesus? Why did God make known to us the mystery of His will? So that we might live and be to the praise of His glory. And then uh, we, we read from Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you and have called you by my name, by your name. You are mine. And if you drop down to verse 7, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. As a child of God, he called us. He created us. For His glory. Uh, Monday morning, the the Grace to You radio broadcast uh, began one of John's series on the glory of God on Monday. And again, you talk about God's timing in the midst of things. And and uh, the the Friday night fellowship group, um, I I, I kind of went back and looked the the, the sermon that that broadcast was on was from way back in 1986. Uh, the Friday night fellowship group uh, watched a, a video of a sermon that John preached at a men's uh, conference uh, from, 
I think that was 2016. And again, the whole conference, the, the theme of that conference and the focus was on the glory of God. And, and so today, today we're gonna, we're gonna look a little more deeply, uh, just having listened to those and, and read some other things, uh, just to look at more scripture that will talk about the glory of God. And, and before we do that, let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, as we come to Your Word, we, we just give You thanks for, for Your mercy and Your great love toward us. And, and even now, Father, we just pray that You would just pour out Your Spirit that we might receive understanding as we would read Your Word and help us to learn more of Your glorious nature, of who You are. So Father, as I say often, what we know not teach us what we have not give us, and all perhaps most of all, who we are not make us. For Christ's sake and in His name I pray. Amen. We're just going to read a lot of Scripture today. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16, <clears throat> verses 8-11. through 11. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name, Make known His deeds among the people. Sing to Him. Sing psalms to Him. Talk of all His wondrous works. Glory in His holy name. Let the heart of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face evermore. And let's go a little bit further down to verses 23 through 29. This is the passage I read before we sang that song, Lord, We Give You Glory. Verse 23 through 29. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim the good news of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His wonders among all peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is also to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before Him. Strength and gladness are in His place. Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Now we're going to stay in First Chronicles. Let's draw, jump over to chapter 29. 29 verses 11 through 13. First Chronicles twenty nine eleven through thirteen, yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty, for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Let's go into the book of Psalms. Psalm 16, verses 8 and 9. Psalm 16, verse 8 and 9. I have set the Lord always before me, because He is at 
My right hand I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. <laughs> That's a good line, that last part of that, isn't it? To, to rest, I, this old body, I can rest in hope because of Christ and because of what He has done. Talking of the glory of God. When, when the angels of the Lord came to this earth uh, to, to make that announcement of the arrival of the Son of God at, at the incarnation, you, you remember what they said. It's a line that most people know. Glory to God in the highest. I want us to read in Luke 2, verses 10 through 14. Luke 2, 10 through 14. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Let me pause there for a minute. I, to, to think about that, that, one of the songs we, we sang that, that talks about He came to the earth He created. Isn't that... The, the incarnation is a miracle, isn't it? To, to think that the Lord of creation humbled Himself to be born on this earth that He created? For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. See, Jesus came as the good news, didn't He? And at the announcement of His coming, glory to God in the highest. See, the Lord is to be glorified on the earth. Amen? Is it always so? No. Why? What happened? What, what's wrong with the world? Well, let, let's turn into Romans, the first chapter. And we're going to read verses 18 through 25. And I looked, and, and this is the passage from the, the last sermon I preached from our Roman series back in July. It's been that long ago. And, and Lord willing, this will be where we're going to pick up next month, I believe. Uh, we'll, we'll see what, where the Lord takes us. But I think that's where we're going to be, and we're going to be back into this portion right here. But, but why doesn't the world give Him glory? I think Paul explains. Romans 1, verses 18 through 25. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, and let me pause there, how did they know God? Just, just by creation. That's how they knew Him. Uh, the Lord made Himself manifest even in His creation. Although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. 
professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now let me ask, is Romans still relevant today? And we, we consider the current human condition, the current issues that we're facing in America today, today I would say, yes, it sounds like this could have been written for right now, and it was. And I know when I went back and kind of looked at that sermon, that last one I preached in his passage, and, and, and the focus that day was uh, on that portion of Scripture. It says, uh, those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness and who exchanged the, the, the truth of God for a lie. Uh, but all of that can be wrapped up into another observation. And it is that of mankind refusing to give God the glory due His name. Uh, verse 21. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. You see, should they remain in darkness, one day God will pour out His wrath and judgment upon them. The, the prophet Jeremiah spoke of giving glory to God and the result if we don't. So let, let's look at Jeremiah 13 and verse 16. Give glory to the Lord your God. Now, now listen. Give glory to the Lord your God before He causes darkness and before your feet stumble on the dark mountains and while you are looking for light, He turns it into the shadow of death and makes it dense darkness now here there's a command and the command is what glorify god give glory to god and then it gives the warning do it before you are totally consumed by darkness and the shadow of death so you see this is what i believe paul was talking about this the same thing in romans 1 they did not glorify God. Their thoughts were futile. Their foolish hearts were darkened. And God will pour out His wrath upon those who do not glorify Him. To all who do not glorify Him, one day He will pour out His wrath upon them. Because Jesus came to this earth to give Himself a ransom for all that we might not be in darkness. He gave His life to be a ransom for sin that we might not be in darkness that God might shine light upon us, revealing His glory, that we might behold Him to believe and receive Christ and live to the praise of His glory and grace. John 1.14, you know this verse. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's just read some more Scripture this morning. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of 
this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Colossians 1, verse 27. Colossians 1, verse 27. To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we have two extremes there, don't we? Those who do not give glory to God, whose minds the God of this age is blinded, and then those to whom God will to make known the riches of His glory and the mystery among the Gentiles, the mystery of Christ and of salvation. In Philippians 2, Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Then upon receiving Jesus Christ as Lord, we are to live to the glory of God and 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 we began looking at, at what that might look like in the life of a believer uh, last week. And in particular, uh, we read the account uh, from Romans of, of Abraham and the promise that was given to him, uh, a promise that by human means seemed totally impossible because of uh, Abraham and Sarah's old age and, and Sarah's barrenness. But yet, Abraham did not waver. Remember, we talked about that a lot. He did not waver. He did not stagger at the promise of God through unbelief. But rather, Abraham believed. He believed what God told him. And he trusted God. And this gave glory to God. Uh, Romans 4, verse 20 and 21. He, and that's, this is Abraham, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he, what God had promised, he was also able to perform. So how can we give glory to God? By believing his word. Every part of it. By not wavering in unbelief by being fully convinced that what God has promised in His Word, He is able to perform. How else is God glorified in us? Well, John 15, verse 8. John 15, verse 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so will you be my disciples. Now, in in John uh, MacArthur's sermon, he, he brought out something I hadn't, I hadn't thought of before or considered the perspective that he was looking at. And remember, uh, he said he referred to uh, two kinds of fruit. 
He said there's an attitude fruit and an action fruit. And, and when he said that, I was like, well, what's he talking about there? And, and he likened the attitude fruit as being that which is wrought by the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. And let's read Galatians 5, uh, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, Anytime I read that, I always want to point out, because some people say, well, I've got maybe a couple of those. If you're a born-again child of God, this is you, or this should be you. It doesn't say fruits of the Spirit. This is the fruit. This is all encapsulated in what is a child of God and what they should be bearing witness in their lives. We should be. Bearing love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, you know, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That should be us as born-again believers. And, and, and John likened this and called this attitude fruit. This should be the attitude of a born-again believer. And then the action fruit that, that he talked about, he likened that to the fruit of our lips. The things we say, the the, the you know the the fruits of righteousness, of the righteous behavior, of of uh, righteous deeds and holy living, those things that that we do uh, physically, and and here's a statement that that he made that that caught my ear. He said this quote, "Action fruit, and that's that's those deeds, that's the behavior. Action fruit without attitude fruit is." legalism and I was like yeah that, that's it that's it action fruit without attitude fruit is legalism in, in other words it is doing things of our own strength and our own wisdom it, it's well here's what I believe a Christian should look like and we put together our list of the things that we think we should be doing and the things that we shouldn't be doing and so we try to follow the list, and, and surely the Lord will accept me because I've kept my list. Legalism. Action fruit without attitude fruit is legalism. Doing these things without being led by the Spirit. So, so, so I hope you're listening there. Uh, doing things without being led by the Spirit. Doing things of our own strength and of our own doing. But we need to be as children of God led by the Spirit because if we are truly born again, the Spirit of God is in us. And we will be bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Now, will we sin? Will we stumble at times? Yes. But aren't you thankful that, that God is able and willing to forgive and, and and to restore us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Action fruit without attitude fruit is legalism. And last week I mentioned something that goes along with that. Of course we got the verse in 1 Corinthians 10.31. We know this. We read this quite often. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So, so 
and, and we talked, I believe, last week that glorifying God is not just a Sunday event. It's not something we do as an act of worship on Sunday. It's the life that we live. That this glorifying life we live should, should be and must be lived by the strength and ability that God supplies. Being led by the Spirit, uh, walking according to the Spirit, uh, leaning on uh, His strength and not our own understanding. And we read 1 Peter 4 verse 11. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. That in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So how is God glorified? By, by, the, by our actions, by our deeds that we do according to the ability that He supplies. And I believe that would encapsulate that being led by the Spirit. And anything that's done on the outside of that, it's not giving glory to God. Because understand this, we can do a lot of good things. Someone who is lost can do a multitude of good things and be very benevolent. But does that bring glory to God? No. No. Bringing glory, the only ones who can bring glory to God is those who are born again and are being led by the Spirit. Be led by the Holy Spirit and to offer up the fruit of our lips. And I love the verse, I want to read it again. Um, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That was from a sermon a couple of weeks ago, Psalms 107. Verses 1 and 2. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. So for all who have been redeemed, born again, born from above, born of the Spirit, we're to let that be known. And that's an act of worship. Bringing glory to God. Verse 22, if you drop down to verse 22 of Psalms 107. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing. I want to read, uh, let's go back into uh, Philippians 1. I want to read verse 9 through 11. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. The Apostle Paul says, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Oh, that, that's what we all want, isn't it? We want to grow in the knowledge of God, don't we? We want to grow in His grace and we want to grow in discernment according to Him and, and His Word. Why? That you may approve the things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That we would bear the fruit of the Spirit, fruits of righteousness, May we be filled with the Holy Spirit and then these, this fruit will come forth and we bring glory to God. I know even on the phone, Kenny, when we talked, you, you, you talked about confessing sins brings glory to God. And it's true. Because at the moment of our salvation, what's a part of that? Confessing. Confessing sins, and, and that does bring glory to God. From, from the beginning of our salvation, we're on a path to bring glory to God. 
and in our confessing, and then I believe even when we stumble and we fall, when we confess and go to Him, that that also brings Him glory, and that we as a faithful child uh, go to the Father, go to the Father, and He will forgive us our sins. I want to I want to do this just to finish out here this morning. I want to go through the first question and biblical response of the 1647 Westminster Shorter Catechism. Because that talks about what we've been talking about in these last two sermons. And I know I've had people throughout the years, they go, what? Just that word catechism just really throws a lot of people for a loop because they associate it with with either Catholicism or with something, and it just doesn't sound right to their ear. But but what this was, uh, th- this was written by a group of reformers as a confession of faith. And it, it was a way to teach uh, different uh, aspects of God's Word and, and the questions that may arise in just living life. And, and what it is, it's a series of questions that are raised, and then a biblical response to that. Uh, so, so you have a question, and then you have an answer that that comes from uh, the Word of God. And and I and I would, if you go or if you've read it before, or if you if, because I've mentioned it, you go to it to read it. Always, when you read something outside, be a Berean, right? Take what it says and. Well, is this, is this true and does this line up with the Word of God? And I think you're going to find so much of it because the response is the Word of God. And so see, so the part of being a Berean in a case like that would be, are they taking things out of context? So, and the first question, some of you, some of you know what that first question is. First question, what is the chief end of man? Question one. Now, you may think, because we don't quite talk like that today, and you may say, chief end, well, what does that even mean? Well, well, I believe it would go back to the question I asked last week, why are we here? Why are we on the face of this planet? I believe it calls us to examine what our highest priorities or what our top priority in life is. I believe that's what it's saying, chief end. And the answer Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's the answer. So we have the question, the answer, then they give the biblical response. So the question, what is the chief end of man? What is our highest priority? What is our goal, if you want to say it that way? Well, it should be man's chief end, our goal, our priority should be to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And I want us to go through their biblical response. Now Psalms 86.9 All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you and shall glorify your name. So talking of the chief end. Isaiah 60 verse 21 Isaiah 60 verse 21 Also your people shall all be righteous. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. Chief end. Romans 11, verse 36. 
Romans 11, verse 36, For of Him, and through Him, and to Him, talking to the Lord, are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. (laughs) Is there anything outside of this verse? (laughs) For of Him, and through Him, and to Him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20. For you were bought at a price. And I'm going to pause there for a minute. Child of God, what was that price that was paid for your salvation? The death of God's only begotten. That's how deep my sin was and your sin was that the only thing that could pay in full the cost of my sin and yours was the death of God's only Son. For you were bought at a price. And because of that, what? Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And if you go to chapter 10, verse 31, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Revelation 4, Verse 11, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. God. Then that, All of that was in response to man's chief end is to glorify God, and then to the, the second part of the, of the answer, and to enjoy Him forever. In Psalm 16, verses 5 through 11. Psalm 16, 5 through 11. And this is the biblical response to the part of the answer and to enjoy Him forever. O Lord, You are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lions have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Child of God, is this talking about us? I I believe I can transfer this over and say that's talking to the children of God. Yet today, because He is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, because of knowing His promises and His promises are true, I'll not waver at the promises of God. If I know that He is at my right hand and I shall not be moved, then therefore my heart is glad. And my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. How can that be? Because I know that He is at my right hand and what He has promised, He is is more than able to accomplish and do. For you, the Lord, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. At your right hand is pleasures evermore. And what did we just read? Because He is at my right hand. And then now we read, at His right hand are pleasures evermore. Psalms 144, verse 15. 
Happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. That's been a while since I've read this this particular verse. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I was going to look up and just see how many times uh, this word was translated as happy. Happy are the people who are in such a state at the right hand of God, you see. He, he is, is he, the Lord is at our right hand. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord because we rest in hope. Now, see, as I was reading the scripture, I happened to uh, click on Matthew Henry's commentary. And by that, I'm saying a lot of time when I'm studying, I'm at my, I'm at my computer and I've got a Bible program that's got stuff all kinds of commentaries and all kinds of, you can go to the Hebrew, you can go to the Greek, you can look at all this stuff and it'll pop up. And one of the tabs I've got open is Matthew Henry. Uh, I like reading Matthew Henry. I think he brings out a lot of good stuff. And so I like reading what he has to say. And this was what he said about this particular verse. Happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Listen, Matthew Henry, quote, Yea, rather... Happy are the people whose God is the Lord, who have His favor and love and grace according to the tenure of the covenant, though they have not abundance of this world's goods. So they're happy, even though they don't have things, you see. As all this, things, and much more things, he says, cannot make us happy Unless the Lord be our God. See, th- things can't make you happy. Can't make you happy. Uh, um, I like, uh, I grew up in an era of, of, uh, of old cars, and I like old cars. We've got some old cars. I like tinkering with them. That's just kind of a, a therapy for me uh, to, to do that. And, and so I watch some of these uh, uh, auctions they have. And there's a statement that this one auctioneer makes, and it gets under my skin every time he says it. He's up there, and he's and they're bringing a car across, and he's trying to hype up the crowd to spend lots of money. And he says, let your money buy you happiness. That's what he says. But we know, as children of God, that can't be. That can't be. But it's just, just an accumulation of things, unless the Lord is our God. It's not going to bring you any kind of happiness. I know the Lord is my God. And I've got a couple old cheap cars out there and I can go tinker on them and I can just be with the Lord and I can I can put on music or listen to a sermon or listen to stuff and, and, and just because those things, they could be gone tomorrow and that's okay. Because I know what lies ahead for me. So let, let me go back to his quote. As all this and much more cannot make us happy unless the Lord be our God. If He be, if He, if He be our God, the want of this, the loss of this, nay, the reverse of this cannot make us miserable. Now, now did you get that? What He's saying? Possessions can't make you happy if the Lord be your God. And the loss of possessions and things shouldn't make you miserable if you know the Lord is your God. Do you see what he's saying? I thought that was very good. Because we sing that one song, uh, 
He gives and takes away. He gives and takes away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Regardless of whether he gives, regardless of whether he takes away, for the attitude of a, a true born again believer who's, who, who the Lord is their God, blessed be the name of the Lord, whether he gives or whether he takes away. And all this and much more cannot make us happy unless the Lord be our God. So if he be, the want of this, the loss of this, nay, the reverse of this cannot make us miserable. I thought that was very good. And so I thank the Lord uh, that Matthew Henry wrote that commentary, and because uh, I because I draw some good stuff from it, I think, and, and in that quote. So happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. And there's a passage in Deuteronomy that speaks to what happens when we don't serve the Lord with joy and gladness. Now listen to this. This is Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28. Uh, verses uh, 47 and 48. So what if we don't? What if we don't? What if we don't serve the Lord with gladness? Now listen to this. Listen to this. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. Let me pause there for a minute. Because He's the giver of everything. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light. He has made everything, and anything that we own or possess is not really ours. It's just borrowed for a time. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you. That's quite striking, isn't it? Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in need of everything. And He will put a yoke of iron on your neck until He has destroyed you. Wow. Should we glorify the Lord and serve Him with joy and gladness? We better be. Now that, that, that was all extra. Everything, that was all extra. And we're going to go back. I want to finish out. Philippians 4, verse 11. Philippians 4, 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Now that, that goes right along with what uh, Matthew Henry said, wasn't it? In whatever state I am, whether I have plenty or whether I'm in want, the Apostle Paul said, because he'd had those times of both, I will be content. Isaiah 12, verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah the Lord is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. See, that's when our soul can be at rest, isn't it? Of trusting what the Lord has said in His Word. Luke 2, 10. Uh, we read it. We read this earlier. Then the angel said to them, "Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people." You know, Philippians four four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Revelation twenty one verses three and four. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, "Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people." 
God Himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no, nor sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever, forever, forever for all of eternity. So may we find our joy, find our satisfaction in praising our Lord, which brings Him glory. And I would ask myself the question, is that my chief end? Is that my highest priority? And I would ask you the same question, is that yours? And in everything we say or do, may it bring glory to God. And I, and I like, it's the, the little motto or the phrase that the Desiring God ministry has, that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. And when you think about that, that is very true. Are we satisfied in Him? Whether He gives, whether He takes away, are we satisfied in Him? Because He is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give You thanks for Your Word. And, and I pray in the midst of all of it, of my stumbling and bumbling around, that, that Your Word has gone out and, and that by Your Holy Spirit You can just take Your Word and minister so I pray, Lord, that you have spoken to all of us today and that we can all take something from your word today and apply it to our lives, to our thoughts, to our actions. Lord, that, that we would remember why we are here to give you glory and to bring glory to your great name. And as was said earlier <clears throat> in a prayer, Lord, should there be someone who would listen to this sermon and they're yet lost, I pray, Father, have mercy. Have mercy. Lord, in Your way and in Your timing, open their eyes to truth. Shine light into a dark place. Raise their dead spirit to life, Father. Grant them faith to believe. Grant them repentance that they might confess their sins and turn from their sin and follow Christ all the days of their life. And Father, for those of us who are born again, may, may a sermon such as this, by, by being reminded, just let us, just let it, I think, I know I do, Lord, I need to examine myself from time to time, and I believe we all do. So just stop and say, wait a minute, have I drifted? Have I, have I gotten into some bad habits? Not, not that they're just horrible, awful things, but just things that have taken my thoughts and, and time away from you that perhaps would be better spent doing something else. So, so Lord, help us all to be able to examine that we might prioritize our life in such a way that it will bring glory and honor to you. So, Father, help us. Draw us close, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.